Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from the 24th of February 2023 and story number one comes from Vanna. My grandma passed away almost 11 years ago. I was only 11 at the time and had never experienced a death of a close relative. It gutted my whole family and caused a lot of issues between my parents. I lost a huge part of myself when we lost her. I was not prepared to deal with the feelings that came with losing her. I've been in therapy for a while and last year, around the 10-year anniversary of her passing, I opened up to my therapist about the longing I felt for her. My feelings were never resolved and I've accepted that the pain will probably not go away. I've been trying to deal with the grief that I initially felt when I was only 11, as it has now followed me into my 20s. Okay, enough backstory. I have insanely vivid dreams to the point where I'll wake up screaming and crying. I can feel everything. I'll wake up because I dreamt a monkey was biting my arm and I could feel its teeth sinking into my skin or because someone is forcing me to grip a razor blade as hard as I can. My dreams are terrifying. I frequently have dreams about her belongings like some aprons that she had for cooking or all of her porcelain dolls my sister inherited. So this isn't a one-off thing. A while ago, after I had gone to an oddities festival, I dreamed that my grandma had lived in a facility with other elderly patients, even though she wasn't that old when she passed. And in that facility, we weren't allowed in until everyone who resided there had passed. After the last tenant had passed, we had gone to get my grandmother's things and see her home. But of course, it was one of my vivid dreams that had to have a twist. As we entered the home, my sister was possessed by the last tenant who had recently passed. I had just purchased a crucifix from that festival as part of wall decor for my room and had somehow brought it with me into my dreamscape. She was now climbing all over the walls growling at us while I threw holy water at her and asked for the spirit to leave her. It did immediately. I'm not a priest or an expert in exorcisms but I'm pretty sure that's not the proper protocol. We were finally able to enter the house and it looked just like what I remember my grandma's house looking like. But with a computer and lots of photos of her. I have these heart-shaped sunglasses that I wear religiously and on her desk was a photo of her wearing them. We looked through the computer and there were all kinds of videos of her documenting her day-to-day life. As we looked around, my dad picked up some wind chimes and said to my sister and I, listen to this. And clear as day, it was my grandma's voice saying she misses us. Never in any of my dreams have I seen or heard her. 
I tried my hardest to stay there and not wake up. It pains me to live a life without her, but of course I had to wake up. A few days later, I was at a thrift store purchasing more wall decor and some sweaters, and as I was in line, I heard wind chimes behind me. There was no breeze and the door wasn't opened, so it must have been the AC. But I somehow still think it was her verifying that she's okay and that she misses us. I bought some wind chimes for the tree outside my window so I can hear her talking all day long. And she does. Grief is so bloody hard. And I just, you know, it's like you said, I, I just don't, I don't think it ever leaves you. I think you just learn to deal with it over time. And your dreams sound absolutely petrifying. Like I'm somebody who has crazy, crazy dreams and really vivid dreams, but not to that degree, you know. And I love that your grandmother was able to communicate with you in the dream world in whatever way that is, wind chimes or whatever it is, something that can translate into the real world. That's incredible and it'll be lovely to know that she's always there with you and that she's looking out for you. But I, I can imagine you could have done without the whole possession subplot of that of that dream. I wonder with people who have passed when they're trying to infiltrate a dream, is it sort of like dream skydiving, you know? They're waiting for the opportune moment and your grandmother's there watching all the possession stuff kick off and the exorcism and your sister crawling up the walls and she's like, I've got to pick my perfect moment to jump into her dream. And then like a like a skydiver, it's like, go, go, go out the plane into your dream. I'm sure there was a better analogy for that. And story number two comes from Pete. I'm a police officer of 29 years here in Michigan, getting ready for retirement. I recently submitted a story about a ghost in the admin building at Hickam Air Force Base in Hawaii. Here's another one that I heard happen in real time, but over the police radio. I was on duty one night at around 11pm. I think this was back around 1999. With only one hour left to go in the shift, I pulled into the parking lot of a church to get caught up on my reports. I hate finishing a shift with paperwork to do the next day and I hate even more being interrupted while I'm trying to do it. So this dark, empty church parking lot was a favourite location of mine. The police radio had been very quiet for quite some time as the people in my community had rolled up the sidewalks and gone to bed. Suddenly dispatch broke the silence asking if there were any patrol cars near a particular area of our jurisdiction. They don't usually pipe up like that unless there is an in-progress crime. I was nowhere near the location, but two other officers answered that they weren't far away. Dispatch gave the address of a home, stating that the caller had dialed 911 reporting an intruder in her home, adding that she was alone in the house. I set my paperwork aside and turned up the volume of the radio. The silence was again broken by dispatch, stating that the caller lived in a two-story home that she was on the ground floor and heard footsteps upstairs. I found this a little odd as intruders almost never go through the trouble of breaking into a second story window. After all, kicking in a door is much quicker and easier, but stranger things have happened. The dispatcher relayed that the caller could hear footsteps walking around the upper level of her home, but could hear nothing else. I started to think that we might have a good home invasion in progress after all. The radio went silent for several more seconds. Dispatch said the caller reported the footsteps were now coming down the stairs to the main level. As our officers weren't there yet, the dispatcher asked the caller to hide somewhere in the house. The caller was on her cordless phone, 
and said she'd run into the basement and hide there until the officers arrived. When they did, she would run upstairs to let them in. So here was this poor woman, hiding in the basement and now hearing the footsteps on the floor above her. The Lord only knows what was going through her head during all of this. Not long after this last update, I heard both of the officers call out at the house. They said they were at the front door and asked that the homeowner let them in. Dispatch told the caller that the officers were at the front door and needed to be let in. She ran up from the basement and did so. The officers made entry into the home but could find no one and nothing amiss. There were no signs that anyone had entered the house, none. Nothing had been disturbed and nothing was missing. Cops deal with the ugliest, grittiest and most dangerous realities society has to offer. If you're lucky, they'll share some of the most unbelievable stories with you. On the other hand, cops are pretty hesitant about giving any attribution to the supernatural. A cop's reputation is everything, so listing a ghost as a suspect in a report isn't going to happen. And cops are pretty careful about telling these stories to outsiders, as it would be pretty humiliating to have them thrown in their face while they're on a witness stand in open court. We just love first responder stories. Thank you so much, Pete, for sending in yet another gem of a story. I have to say, if I were you, being on the kind of the other end of the story where you're just listening passively to the story as it plays out over the radio must have been, you know, absolutely riveting, but also quite a relief to not be involved in it. Because like you said, I'm sure there are police officers who are super sceptical, who have had weird stories where they're like, I, I, I'm not saying it was a ghost, but I don't know how to explain it. And I guess the juxtaposition is, as I've said before, rightly or wrongly, um, society as a whole often sees police officers as being like people who are meant to be very straight lace, very much do things by the book, followers of the rules. And then if somebody turns around and they're like, well, I went to this house burglary and uh, it was actually a ghost. There's a character juxtaposition there that just doesn't seem to work. So I totally get it. Totally understand why as a police officer you'd be like, I'm just not going to say anything. But yet, police officers, first responders, they all seem to have these weird stories. I can't even imagine the fear that woman must have had thinking, genuinely believing there was somebody in her house, hearing those footsteps, ringing the police, hiding in the basement, hearing the footsteps over her head and thinking, please let the police get here before anything happens to me. It must have been terrifying. And then, of course, after they'd have gone, you'd have a million and one questions, right? You'd be like, but I did hear the footsteps. Am I going mad? Did I hear them? If it wasn't a real person, then what did I hear? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And story number three comes from Sammy. Growing up, I gave my mum hell. I was a very poor sleeper and had nightmares all the time. I remember very little of those dreams, but I do remember running into my mum's bedroom terrified and her getting so cross at me for disturbing her sleep yet again. Sometimes when she had completely had enough of me, she would turn me away and send me back to my room. I remember getting incredibly upset when this happened and could think of nothing worse than going back to my room by myself. I was terrified of what might be hiding under my bed. I also had a disturbing collection of porcelain dolls, which seemed like a good idea at one stage, and then it becomes too many and you realise that they could easily take you down if they all decided to. When I was six, things started getting a little more real for me. We had moved out to live with my mum's new partner and his two sons. It was already a stressful time. My mum was pregnant but quickly realised she didn't really like the guy. His sons hated her and the eldest also hated me. My mum spent a lot of time upset and I think that had a big impact on me. I started having reoccurring nightmares. I would wake up in my bed in what felt like my bedroom but it was much, much smaller. In fact, it was only just big enough for the bed with no room around it. The window was on the ceiling and the view showed a scary-looking castle at the top of a big hill. The castle was dark, but then one of the windows would be lit and something would come out of the castle and make its way down the hill. The fear of seeing this thing making its way closer to me was so overwhelming. As it got closer, I could see that it was some horrible little goblin creature. It would crawl over to the window above me and place its clawed hand across the pane, open the window, reach down inside, grab me, stuff me into a sack and take me off to the castle where I could now hear the screams of other children. I had this dream over and over again, the exact same sequence every time. I was terrified to go to sleep. I didn't spend any time in my room apart from to go to bed. I remember being sent to my room for doing something bad and rather than go into my room, I pretended to go in, opening and then closing the door, but just sitting outside for the duration of my punishment. I didn't have the dream when I slept anywhere else, so I would beg to spend the night at my grandparents' or a friend or cousin's house, anything to avoid sleeping in my room and having the dream. Eventually though, my mum and stepdad's relationship broke down and we moved back in with my grandparents for a while until we got our own place. I never had the dream again. Maybe it was just my mind's way of telling me the situation was bad for me or maybe there was something horrible in that room trying to get at me through my dreams. Around a year later, my mum and sister moved out of my grandparents' house into a place of our own. The house was a mess and I remember my entire family helping to decorate the place and clean it up. We had to remove the wallpaper and found that there were layers upon layers of the stuff to remove like peeling back the layers of an onion. The whole house was like a time capsule. An old couple had been living there before, but when the wife had died, the husband left, unable to take care of himself. There was clearly a lot of history held in that house and you could feel it. I did not feel comfortable in this house from the get-go. There was the constant feeling of being watched, which left me looking over my shoulder constantly. I hated having a shower or washing my face in the bathroom, for fear of turning around and seeing someone standing there watching me. 
There were also constant noises around the house, like creaking floorboards and crazy loud banging, which was put down to the central heating pipes cooling down. But I've never heard anything like it in any other house. My mum once invited her friend and her kids over for dinner. After dinner, we were sent upstairs to entertain ourselves so they could spill the tea. We decided to play hide and seek in the dark. Great idea. I would never normally wander around the house with the lights off, but I didn't want to object too much for fear of looking like a complete wuss in front of my friends, so I went along with the game. Hiding was not so bad. I would find some tight little spot to hide in and hope it was one of my friends tapping me on the shoulder having found me. There were long periods of silence while the seeker snooped around, broken by the sudden scream of someone having been found, which made the atmosphere feel so intense. Being the seeker though was far scarier. Wandering around in the dark, arms stretched out in front of you, ears pricked for the heavy breathing or snickering of a person in hiding. We were having fun though, till I walked into a cold spot while on the hunt for my friends. My mum kept the house like a sauna, it was never cold. I thought maybe I had gotten close to the window, but then remembered that the radiator is also close to the window, so you just don't feel the cold unless you're hanging half outside. Then I heard some breathing next to me. Ha! I've managed to find someone in the process of switching hiding places. Hey, I said. You have to stay in your hiding place, no cheating. No response. Hello? Still nothing. I heard a couple of giggles from a different bedroom, but nothing in here apart from the breathing. I got the feeling of someone coming closer to me. That feeling of being watched combined with a growing sense of my personal space being invaded, so I bolted for the light switch by the door, bumping into no one but running through the intense coldness and out the other side of it. When I turned on the light there was no one in the room, no one hiding, nothing, and the coldness was gone. Someone shouted out from another room to ask why I'd turned on the light. I brought the game to a stop and told them what had happened. We stopped playing after that and kept all the lights on and played computer games to make us feel better. How I went to sleep that night, I have no idea. My sister was seven years younger than me and we shared a bedroom because she couldn't sleep alone. She, just as I had when I was younger, had terrible nightmares. Mum didn't like having a repeat of the nightly visitations from a scared toddler as she had had with me, so instead I was to take over. My sister would also sleepwalk. We had bunk beds that had a single bed up top and a double down at the bottom. My sister was up top. I would catch her in the process of climbing down the steps all the time and have to try and get her back into bed without startling her or waking her up because my mum said that would be bad. Most of the time she would go back off to sleep when she was back in bed, muttering something I couldn't quite make out. A couple of times I slept through her descent down the steps and woke up to the TV on full volume downstairs. She would go down, turn on the TV and just stand in the middle of the room. I cannot tell you how freaky it was. The worst, though, was the night when I woke up to her standing by the side of my bed just staring at me. Once I'd stopped shitting myself, I asked her calmly and quietly what was wrong. She asked in a sleepy voice, Will you make my teddy stop talking to me? Nope, 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 I was out of there. I woke my mum up and let her deal with the demon child and her scary-ass toys. Shortly after that, I managed to convince my mum that I needed a room of my own. Having my own space didn't really help though. I went back to laying in my bed terrified, watching the crack of light coming from my bedroom door that was slightly ajar, waiting for a shadow to block the light from the hallway. 
One night I had fallen asleep after watching the crack of my door till my eyes got too tired to stay open and I was woken up suddenly. I was laying on my back and as I opened my eyes I saw the dark shape of someone standing over me, leaning right over me with their face right in front of mine. I dove under the covers absolutely terrified, not daring to move or speak, trying to breathe without making a sound. I stayed under the covers until I could sense the morning light getting brighter and poked my head out from under the duvet. Of course there was nothing there. The obvious explanation would be sleep paralysis or some waking dream type situation, but in my gut it just doesn't feel that way. When I wake up from a dream, I know I've been dreaming and can rationalise whatever craziness was going on there. I remember waking up and I did not go back to sleep until after it started getting light and I felt safe. Not long after that, my auntie went to see a medium. She phoned my mum after and told her that she'd received some information that was relevant to us. She had been told that there was an entity residing in our house, Gladys, an old woman that had lived and died in our house years ago. Gladys was a kind soul and wanted us to know that she was looking after the children. But Gladys wanted to warn us that there was something else, something dark that was looking to harm us. The medium said that we needed to protect ourselves and to do so we should imagine a crown of carnations around our heads and tell the entity that it was not welcome. I'd told my mum the story of what had happened to me, so my mum passed the advice on to me. After that, whenever I felt that unwelcome presence in our house, I would imagine the crown of flowers and I would whisper, you are not welcome here, over and over. I never had a repeat of that shadow standing over my bed. And although strange things still happened in the house, I never felt scared knowing that I had something to defend myself with. Over the years, I've had other encounters, but maybe they're stories for another time. But each time I remember my flowery armour and I'm all good. I now live in a brand new house and haven't felt a single tingle of anything. It's lovely. I am frankly appalled at how common it is for small children to just stand at their parents' face at night time and wait for them to wake up and be like, I've had a bad dream or... Can you make my teddy stop talking to me or whatever freaky shit it is they're coming out with? I just can't imagine what it would be like being a parent, you're lying in bed and next thing your kid comes screaming into the room, arms flailing. I'd be like, no, please no, I just need a night's sleep. And those dreams sound absolutely horrific, but I do I do wonder if, if you're right, if it's your brain's way of being like something is wrong in this situation I don't know how to process it so you try and process it in your dreams in your subconscious at night time it's really difficult to know because conversely to that we've had tons of stories over the years where people have only ever had specific nightmares in a specific bedroom and then when they're not in that room they don't have the nightmares anymore so is it a more supernatural bad energy that causes these particular nightmares I don't know Hide and seek in the dark. What what a terrible idea. And I'm pretty sure it's a rite of passage as a kid to play hide and seek in the dark. But that, the idea of playing hide and seek and then having somebody breathe in your ear and then realising, shit, there is nobody there, is absolutely petrifying. And, you know, I'm I'm glad that Gladys was able to be like, hey, I'm also in the house, but I'm not whatever that terrible freaky thing is. But, you know, think of a, a crown of, of carnations and you'll be fine. Apparently, carnations symbolise devotion, love and fascination, if anybody is wondering. 
Oh, and apparently, just as another aside, there is also a Christian legend associated with carnations that says that they originally appeared after the crucifixion of Christ, growing in the spots where the Virgin Mary's tears fell to earth. Now, I, I never knew that, never knew that at all. And apparently that's how they became associated with a mother's love. Every day's a school day. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Vanna, Pete and Sammy for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 24th of February 2023. And if you would like to submit your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out the website reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can sign up to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.